Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, our second show of the new year, and I am so glad you're joining us. We have a great show today. Um, I am so excited to have one of my sheroes on the show today. That's a term I got from Bessie Rosenberg, who's one of my one of my sheroes. She's uh, been doing green radio for years. She was doing it before it was cool. And uh, Bessie, if you're listening, I want to give you a shout out. She's the one who coined that phrase, the shero. And today I have one of mine on the show. If there were a Hall of Fame for environmental educators. My guest on Go Green Radio today would be the first one installed. She is so awesome. She is Tracy Hollis, and she is from Grand Prairie, Texas. Now, Tracy wears a lot of hats in Texas. And uh, as you know, everything is big in Texas, and so all her hats are 10-gallon Texas size. She's the recent past president of the Texas Association for Environmental Education. She's the environmental education coordinator for the entire school district of Grand Prairie, ISD. She's a very active member of Keep Texas Beautiful. That's actually where she and I met a few years ago. And she was recently awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award as Keep Texas Beautiful's Environmental Education uh, Educator of the Year. I'm also proud because she is one of my board members on the Go Green Initiative. And she's helped a lot of school communities, not just her own, but others by her example. She's helped them go green. And actually, many of the schools that she has been helping have won some national recognition for their superior stewardship and what they're teaching our kids about how to protect natural resources. So I am so excited to bring on Tracy Hollis. Tracy, welcome to Go Green Radio. Good morning, Jill. How are you today? I'm awesome, and even more awesome because you're here. You are one of my favorite people in the world. I'll never forget the day that we met at the Keep Texas Beautiful convention. Um, I remember I was giving a speech about the Go Green Initiative. It was pretty new then, and you came up to me and you said, what? Do you remember? Because I remember, but I'd love to hear it in your own voice. I definitely remember. (laughs) (laughs) What did you tell me that day? Well, it was interesting because I just loved i loved what you were saying. You were preaching to the choir, and I was singing along with you. But <laughs> I knew that we were making such efforts here in Grand Prairie, and I just knew that uh, it would be a perfect fit, that we definitely needed to be a part of the Go Green Initiative here in Grand Prairie because it was going to help us move even further than what we had already done. So I was just ecstatic to meet you and uh, I'm very honored to be here with you today. So thank you very much. Well, we've had a great time over the last few years. In fact, Grand Prairie was named our our uh, City of the Year for the Go Green Initiative a couple of years back. Last year, our School of the Year was Barbara Bush Elementary out of Grand Prairie, Texas, and we're going to talk about some of the reasons for those awards uh, in a little bit, but the Go Green Initiative certainly isn't the only organization that's given you guys some national Kudos for the great work that you do. But let's begin at the beginning, Tracy, because I like to tell the story of why superstars like you who do what you do in the environmental world, what brings you to these issues? So let's begin at the beginning. When did you first become interested in environmental protection? Do you remember what first sparked your interest? Well, you know, as I reflect upon that question, I I think, I was pretty much born that way. I, as a child, I was, as a little girl, um, I've come from a very active family of four children. 
with three rambunctious brothers, so staying inside wasn't an option. <laughs> and mom was like, get out. Stay <laughs> outside. And as we went outside, I'm, I'm on the older side here, so in the 60s and 70s, going outside was how you entertained yourself. And uh, at that point in time, I just realized that everything that I was learning about whether it been in science or in math or whatever, I always connected it to back with how does that make a difference or how does that interact with this frog or how does it interact with these beautiful things that I see in nature. And I think uh, that innately it just sort of started from there. Uh, and also our family all, always took vacations um, camping. Uh, like I said, in the 60s, 70s, we went camping. That was our vacation. We'd strike out two weeks at a time. So being in nature and appreciating it, came to me at an early age, and I just knew that understanding the world around me, uh, protecting it, conserving it, uh, is just knew what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure what it was going to look like when I grew up, but I knew it was something I wanted to do. That is so cool. And I think that's why, you know, now we see a lot of programs around the country to help urban kids who, you know, when they go out in the, you know, outside of their home or their apartment or what have you, they're seeing a lot of concrete, and there's a lot of environmental education programs out there that are trying to get them out into nature so that they can have a similar experience. You know, what you begin to love, like if you love nature, you love animals, that's what you're going to protect. And uh, and I don't know about you, I'm sure you're the same way, but I, I'm hoping that, that kids, no matter where they grow up, get those opportunities to get outside and, and appreciate nature and the environment the way you did. Well, I really think it's imperative. I'm not just wishing. I'm, I'm hoping and, and I'm, I'm pushing forward because it is extremely important that uh, our children of today get the chance to reconnect to nature. Uh, it's not something that comes um, normal to them in their daily lives, and uh, it's really what I strive to do through different things in my life is making sure that they get that chance. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and there are so many fields. You talked about how... When you were a kid, you weren't sure what it was going to look like when you grew up, but you knew you wanted to be involved somehow in environmental protection or you know, a na- nature protection. What made you choose environmental education? Talk us through the, the adult choice you made to actually enter the field that you're in now. Well, I think, like many people, when you dream of what you want to be when you grow up, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, I was one of the little bossy children, you know, <laughs> had my little animals stacked up and told them what we were going to do today. But um, uh, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher, and I always knew I had sort of a love for science. So actually, my current job and all my current things that I'm involved in and the efforts, I sort of came by through a morphing or sort of circuitous route because I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, So I went and got a degree in science education, and at that time my emphasis was in chemistry and physics. But I wanted to learn chemistry and physics as it pertained to the world, not something out of a book, not something that was uh, uh, just, you know, this is what you need to know, this is the formula kind of thing. And I was always sort of bucking the trend back in the 70s, like, okay, I want to know this, but why do I need to know it? So because of that, and I was a little ADD, ADHD kind of kid, um, I did like reading about it, um, the science just appealed to me. And over the years as a science teacher at the high school level and as a science director, once again, I got to this job very uh, over the last 26 years, I knew that something was missing. I wanted to still teach children, but I wanted to show them the wonders of nature while I was teaching them and integrating the math and science in it and then showing them appreciation of what they were seeing 
and through that, that is your basic uh, definition of environmental education. Um, So even though I didn't know what I was doing, I was trying to reconnect for myself and along that way reconnecting for the kids, hopefully. Well, tell us what a typical week is like for you. For our listeners out there who are kind of unfamiliar with the job of an environmental educator, walk us through what you do on a regular basis. Well, I'm very blessed uh, and lucky that I work for a district that uh, embraces environmental education as a tool. Once again, we're using the environment as a context for learning uh, because we need to make sure we're making connections for children. And I work for a district such as that. So um, as far as my daily um, grind or what I do, uh, I'm lucky because I get to run a 39-acre nature center for my school district. We call it the Natural Natural Science Education Center. And from that, I get to see every child, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade, and we're getting close to 13,000 kids a year now, that come and see me every year, and we actually come out here to the center, and we actually learn our math, our science, language, arts, social studies, making those connections, making environmental education part of their culture, not something that's outside the box. Right. And uh, hopefully making a difference in their learning styles as well. What kinds of lessons? I mean, like, you know, you're going to experience all the seasons out there on those 39 acres. How, what kind of lessons, when the kids show up at the Nature Center, what, what are they doing? Give us an idea. Well, let's see, give you an example. Like uh, at fourth grade, uh, there is a, a large push for study about water quality. And now I'm in Texas, so uh, based on our environmental uh, in our science standards, uh, water, it, water and its importance to life is something we study about. So when the fourth graders come out to me, they have an option of going with me to the pond or going with me down to the creek. We'll do collections of different types of macrobenthics, something that's coming out of the water. We'll test uh, the chemicals in the water. We'll do observations, uh, temperature, all of those data collections that are important in science and then working with that knowledge, working with that math, and making it all make sense for them. So all along, we're studying the environment, appreciation of it, why we need to have clean water, but we're also getting the math and science in it. So that's just an example, say, at fourth grade. Well, and what I love about that is the integration of all the subject matters. I mean, I know that sometimes it's really uh, efficient, to teach subjects in silos, like, okay, everybody pull out your math book. Okay, now we're going to history. Now we're going to social studies. And to have those kind of silos of subjects. But what you're talking about is, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're the professional educator, but it's more the way that we actually learn, which is the integration of all those subjects at once. And what's more, you're showing them why it matters to them. It's not just some random concept. It's, right. hey, guys, you drink water every day. Let's look at the behind-the-scenes, you know, kind of situation here. And, and I love the way that you're integrating all those subject matters into one lesson. Well, you're right, and you, you, know, and you are a professional educator. That's another bone of contention for me. Everybody in the world <laughs> is an educator. <laughs> Whether we like it or not, we're teaching it, or, your, or the Go Green Initiative program wouldn't have blossomed as well as it has. <laughs> But if we don't use the environment or don't use the contextual learning or don't use that integration for students, then we have totally missed the boat. Because it, as you alluded to, uh, we don't think when, we, when we're adults and we're asked to problem solve, people don't 
think in boxes. They say, therefore this, what do we do now, cause and effect later. And if you don't connect that for children at an early age, then and for some children it does not come in eight, then that's why they have so much trouble in the real world because they weren't taught to problem solve and integrate and put it all together of, of why it matters to them. Well, and that's why I think environmental education, the way that you're teaching it, is not just about the environment. It's not just teaching them what to think, but how to think, how to think panoramically and systemically. Um, Tracy, I hope that uh, you know folks are enjoying this as much as I am. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away, folks. More with Tracy Hollis and more Go Green Radio right after these commercial breaks. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Tolvanta Energy, visit us today at www.tolvantaenergy.com. Now, Mrs. Johnson, before we close on your mortgage loan, I want to make sure you remember Mike. Hi. You can trust me. I'm African-American, just like you. So here's the low monthly payments and interest rates we promised, and here's where they triple. The rest of this stuff is just here to make sure that we get your house when you can't pay us back. What a lovely house. Predatory lenders are never this easy to spot. Call us at 866-222-FAIR and protect yourself with the facts. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Fair Housing Alliance and the Ad Council. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show Radio by George. That's Every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. Ah! Ah! Uh. 
there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to more Go Green Radio. So glad you could join us. And I want to say, uh, give a special shout-out to my tweets, my Twitter friends. I know you guys are out there. You're Twittering to me. And I love having you guys on with me at Go Green Radio. You get me so excited and so psyched because you love going green and everything that we're talking about on Go Green Radio. We're really trying to help educate all of you out there on a number of different topics. Go Green Radio covers different topics every week so that we really give you a panoramic look at what's going on in the world of green. And today, we're joined by one of the nation's premier environmental educators. We're learning about not only what she does, but how she does it, because a lot of the lessons that we're going to learn by picking Tracy Hollis's brain are things that we might be able to replicate in our own communities, our own schools, our own homes. And uh, I am just so thrilled to have her on. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, Tracy. Thank you very much. Well, before we went to break, you were talking about some of the things that you do as an environmental educator. You gave us one example of how fourth graders um, work on water quality lessons. Give us another example of of what you do on that 39-acre nature uh, facility that you have in Grand Prairie, Texas. Tell us some more. Well, once again, uh, I am extremely blessed and be able to have the 39 acres. And then on that, I have, uh, once again, a pond, a creek, and uh, about four different types of gardens. And you would be amazed what you can teach uh, mathematically, science, language arts, all those inter- interactions through a garden. So we have an herb garden, butterfly garden, and then about a half-acre vegetable garden, which kindergarten all the way through fifth grade interacts with for various reasons um, um, during their time with me here at the Nature Center. Tell us about what they do in the garden, because I know that a lot of schools that we're dealing with with the Go Green Initiative either have gardens or they're thinking about putting in gardens. Give us some idea of what kinds of lessons can be learned from the garden. Well, let's say at a kindergarten level, um, as a lot of you kindergarten teachers or wannabes out there, you talk a lot about observations and the five senses and just appreciation of what you're, you're seeing. Let's say monarchs are coming through, which we're a flyby. For the monarch butterflies here, we may see the monarchs in four or five different stages here as the kids are looking at the different types of flowers we have in our gardens. We actually have them come out here and, and work the gardens. We have them do the soil, what's important about soil, what's in the soil. Um, we have them do tests on the soil. Uh, they actually are growing their own vegetables and harvesting them out here. Uh, a lot of kids still think all of their vegetables come from the grocery store. They don't have a clue 
that there was a preceding effort there before they walked <laughs> into the, the local Winn-Dixie. But um, just simple things like that, that you can connect all your math and sciences, uh, seeds, where they come from, the importance of them. I mean, I could just go on. It sort of goes crazy. But um, huge connections with gardening and then huge connections with all the things we're doing with recycling and uh, all the efforts we're doing with that for conserving the environment. Well, talk about your recycling efforts because that's, you know, of course, that's a big part of what we measure in terms of, you know, success when we talk about Go Green Initiative schools, and we'll be talking about that some more. But um, how are you at your in your particular role teaching the kids about recycling? Well, at my site itself, obviously I ask them to uh, recycle their paper, their cans, their plastic, anything they've brought with them uh, instead of obviously putting it into the trash can. But uh, a lot of the recycling is actually happening back on the campuses. Since I only see the kids once a year working with 13,000 of them, I have to make sure that the message that we're trying to get over to the children while they're here, how we're all interconnected and we've got to take care of it, we try to bring that back into the classroom. So once again, we've been very proactive of, of taking our science and math curriculums and making sure we're integrating all of these same things into our science curriculum that the children are doing back on their campuses. And yeah. we're, we're sort of that. That's always a work in progress. Uh, but um, we're taking it back. We're putting gardens on each of the campuses as fast as we can. That's another thing we're doing. And then the is actually done on the campus, and we have had a huge effort with that, with the city of Grand Prairie being one of our biggest partners. Well, and, you know, that's an interesting point because, you know, environmental education isn't just about teaching children. Uh, you have to educate the, the, the adults around them. So what kind of interaction do you have with teachers and um, with parents, maybe. Maybe you, you deal with parents. I mean, if, in order for the kids to take away what they see with you and, and really apply it to their lives, they're going to need a consistent message wherever they go, whether that's school or home. So tell us about how, you know, what your interaction is like with adults around these kids. Well, you're right. Uh, you can teach the kids all day long, but if it's not being replicated back at home, it's hard to keep that as a culture. So um, I think the first thing that we have done, and I hope that we've done a good job of, is I'm actually working directly with the teachers. Mm-hmm. So I have a wonderful group of teachers, and they come and meet with me anywhere from four to six times a year on their own time, no other things to them but just kudos and pats on the back because they know they're doing the right thing. And we formed a group called the Green and Clean Campus Program, which really doesn't do it justice sometimes, all the things that we're doing underneath the umbrella of that program. But these teachers come and meet with me for training, for staff development, uh, for information, uh, materials, if I'm able to bring them to them, to bring back to the classroom. And they know that they're doing the right thing. And they come to me and we work together and we're literally a partner between me and each of those teachers on those campuses. And then they go out to their campus and sort of do a trainer of trainers type model and actually try to teach everybody on their campus what we should be doing with the recycling, the importance of it, so every child gets that same message. I love it. As far as the adults are concerned, we're doing a lot of um, adult type workshops as well through the city, and I'm working with PTA environmental chairs. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, I have to interject here for a sec because... 
some Go Green Radio listeners know this and some do not. That's actually how I began the Go Green Initiative. I was a PTA president at my kids' school, and I was really searching for what the Go Green Initiative actually is, and I didn't find that program out there that was already prepackaged. That's all I really wanted to do um, was find kind of a comprehensive, fully, you know, three-dimensional program that would help schools come under one umbrella and address all the various topics that, that would be kind of under the umbrella of environmental education. And I found a lot of you know, really great recycling programs or really great composting programs or energy conservation programs, but what I didn't find was that fully comprehensive, you know, one-stop shopping opportunity. So when I started the Go Green Initiative, I was working with parents, teachers, administrators, custodians, and the students, of course, to create sort of this community-wide stakeholder group of team members for the Go Green Initiative that would represent all the various perspectives on campus. So one of the things that I love to hear, Tracy, is, you know, you are actually, you know, doing environmental education. You're training teachers. But working with the parents means that the kids are going to end up with a consistent message at at their school campus where they spend a lot of waking hours. And then hopefully it will trickle into the homes so that wherever the kids are in the community, they're getting a consistent message that environmental stewardship is important no matter where I am, and the adults around me are reinforcing that. So I'd love to hear that you're working with the PTA Environmental Church. Tell us how that's going. Well, we have a a PTA president that's sort of a commission over all of them, and I meet with them maybe twice a year. I'm working mainly just uh, to be there for them for information and to help them out how they want to work with their school and support all of their school's efforts. Here in Texas with our PTA, uh, each of the schools are asked to have an environmental chair and from that uh, support environmental efforts on their, in their classroom. And in the past, some of those environmental chairs weren't quite sure what they wanted to do or what they needed to do or they didn't even know what to do. Right. So with what I've been really, really impressed with, the Go Green Initiative and Keep Texas Beautiful and your partnership with them and really growing the Grow Green, uh, Go Green Initiative in Texas, it, it has really brought, I guess, the community under one mission, I guess, to a large degree. And it, and it was, much like you said, there are some great programs out there, but um, your evolution of the Go Green Initiative really does sort of pull it all under one umbrella so you can get a good start on a program and sort of grow it from there. And I think that's why uh, the Go Green Initiatives have been so uh, proactive in growing across the nation. Well, it's kind of about teamwork. You know, if we're all focused on the same mission, which is to protect the environment on behalf of our children. You know, a lot of people who are involved with the Go Green Initiative are like you and like me. They're educators. They're parents. They have a natural predisposition to be concerned about children. I mean, that's why we do what we do. We really want to set children up for a healthy, prosperous future. So if we're all working together in that vein, you know, one person might be really excited about recycling, another person might be really excited excited about composting, but when we all can come around one table and say our, our shared goal is this, protecting the environment for our children and teaching them how to manage natural resources, and we all have different gifts to bring to the table, but we're all kind of focused on that same mission, then we really get a lot more collaboration and teamwork than if we were working on it separately, you know? Definitely. 
And, and you know what's so funny is because it actually, as I go from campus to campus, I have um, 36 campuses that I work with, and 25 of them are elementary. And as I go on to each campus and I sort of look at the faces and how each of these programs, because something that's very, very important, and you also say this as well, each of the Go Green Initiative programs, recycling programs, whatever you're going to title it, it has to be your own. You That's have right, to and we're going to talk more about that. Yeah, you really have to grow it from a end. Come right back for more Go Green Radio right after this, folks. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. No excuses, no delays. If you have goals you want to achieve or changes you need to make, then it's time to take charge of your life with America's change buddy, Nancy Christie. This show will help you lead a more productive and fulfilling life starting now. Take Charge of Your Life challenges you to expand your sense of possibilities. Take Charge of Your Life with Nancy Christie is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Let change be a positive force in your life. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad you're here to join us. Having a great time today. We have an awesome guest, Tracy Hollis, who is one of my favorite people in the green world. She's not just an environmental educator. She is truly a leader and a pioneer in the field of environmental education. As you heard during a previous segment, if you were with us, she was a high school science teacher she had a focus in chemistry and physics at one point, but as she began to, to evolve in her career, she has taken environmental education to, to a really high level. And what I'm hoping is that what we learn, you and I as listeners to Go Green Radio, what we learn from her today um, will be something we can replicate in our communities, replicate in our homes. Tracy, welcome back to Go Green Radio. We're glad Thank to have you. you. Thanks. And we just got an email from uh, one of my Twitter friends. Um, 
She emailed me at gogreenradio at gmail.com, and she wants to know how she can teach her kids some of the same things at home that you're teaching kids at, at the Nature Center and teaching teachers to teach them at school. She wants a little bit of coaching on how to reach young kids. She's also got a teenager. Give us some coaching so that parents can begin to underscore what you're teaching kids at school. Well, I guess uh, because you did mention I started as a high school teacher and now I'm working with elementary, I would tell you, and there's a few people who disagree with me, but kids are kids. (laughs) (laughs) Any age are are the same. Uh, If you give them a reason for what they're doing and the importance of it, and if you make that the underlying message, then they will want to learn more about it and do it, Uh, uh, especially with younger children, if it's a task-oriented type thing. Uh, that you want them to do, simply like, oh, there's an aluminum can on the ground. I, and I do this with my kids all the time, and I, I still struggle with this sometimes. There will be a paper or, or, or aluminum can on the ground, and, then, and I'll say, hey, guys, you just walked right by that. Why didn't you pick that up? They say, well, it's not mine. And so that's message of it's all ours. So starting very, very early with that message that we are truly all responsible for everything that goes on around us. And if we have to pick up the lead for somebody else every now and then, then we should do so. So I don't know if that's a message that you can teach uh, at an early age. I would think it would be. It's almost like a kindergarten sharing kind of thing. But um, making um, recycling, making environmental education at a younger age a task-oriented thing so they're completing it and then showing them, wow, that was great. This is why you did that. And look at the difference you're making. So showing that their efforts are meaning something has got to be first and foremost. And then, yeah, uh, I think that's that's something that even adults appreciate. You know, I mean, don't just tell me to do something; tell me why. And I think that's a legitimate question. I know you and I run into a lot of different types of folks in the environmental world, Tracy, and some of them get a little you know, antsy when people say, well, why? And some environmentalists will say, because it's the right thing to do and get kind of huffy. But you know what? I never mind when people say, why should I do this? What's in it for me? I think that's a perfectly normal question to ask. And a good environmental educator or a good environmentalist will have a ready answer for that. Why is it important to each and every person? Right. And as an educator, you also, when you are working with your children, you almost turn that question back on them, and that becomes an ownership of their own answer sometimes, too. Because sometimes people will ask you that question, why should I? Sometimes they're just sort of baiting you, you know what I mean? But yeah. really, if you turn that question back on them, well, I don't know, why do you think? And that's why I work with my kids, because they really truly have the answer somewhere down deep in them. They just are not sure what it is, and if you have them voice that, and then you validate that that was a wonderful answer, and yes, that's true, then that becomes part of their learning. And I think it, and like I said, kids are kids at all ages, 6 to 60. I think mm-hmm. that is the way you have to work with everybody when you're trying to explain to them the importance of why we do what we do. And then another important thing is, is don't expect your child to do something that she wouldn't do. Love it. Lead from the front. Lead by example. That's yes. right. And you already alluded to that. If they're going to learn something at school but it's not being done at home, uh, it, it can easily be very convoluted message to a young child. And they're like, well, why are we doing it here but we're not doing it at home, Mommy? And sometimes, and the coolest thing in the world is when the kids come back or the parents come to me and say, you know what, 
I'm having to recycle now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I little love Bobby, that story. Little Bobby wouldn't let me throw that, that can away. And I said, well, good for you, little Bobby, and good for you, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love those stories. And, you know, with the Go Green Initiative now, um, you know, everywhere that we're at, we're operating in all 50 states and also, you know, around the, the country, I get stories like that all the time. People email me and, and teachers will email me, parents will email me and tell me stories like that. And I love it because, like I mentioned, you know, developing a, a whole Go Green team within the community of people who are concerned about children, parents, teachers, you know, administrators, custodians, you know, if we all work together because we want to send kids a consistent message of what's right and wrong, that's the best of all possible worlds. So uh, those are great stories. Now, Tracy, you've worked with some pretty amazing schools that have received a lot of awards for their work in teaching kids environmental stewardship. I want you to share with our Go Green Radio listeners some of the stories about these schools. And take your time, because I know the stories myself, but for a lot of our Go Green Radio listeners, they've never heard about some of these schools that you work with. So tell us some of your success stories in Grand Prairie. Well, I would say all of my schools are successful, but we've definitely got some leaders here in Grand Prairie that stepped it up early on in the game when we started our uh, environmental efforts. And we were just talking about this the other day. We're actually in our 10th year. So we were green when green wasn't cool. <laughs> it's sort of nice that we've got, you know, so much more support now. But we started the Green and Clean Campus program around 10 years ago with only five schools. And once again, I did not force the program on anybody, principals, teachers. I said, guys, we've got this. I want to offer you this. These are some materials you can have. Uh, are you interested? And we started with five schools, and it, it evolved very, very quickly uh, to all 36 schools now participate in the Go Green Initiative and our Green and Clean Campus program. And as I said earlier, they all participate at a level that they can show success. I don't want everybody to think they're failing at anything because right. every little bit counts. So there are different things that you can do within the Go Green Initiative, as you know, recycling paper, composting, you know, nationally conserving, same thing with our program. You sort of choose what you can do and then move from there. Our three probably most standout schools that have won national awards lately uh, is Bush Elementary, uh, Daniels Elementary, and Dickinson Elementary. And all three of them, of these elementaries, we also have award-winning schools at middle schools and high school. In fact, Grand Prairie High School has been a five-time award winner at the Keep America Beautiful Conference. Um, wow. and, and How do you never, win an award? Never been done before. What are these schools <laughs> doing? Yeah, what are they doing that that qualifies them for these accolades? I mean, I know about Bush Elementary because they were our our Go Green School of the Year last year. But um, tell us what these schools are doing that's so special. Well, I think it's because a lot of schools are doing great things, but our schools have just become so uh, involved in all aspects of environmental education. Um, as I'll call it, it's not a one-trick pony kind of situation. They're in it recycling paper uh, to huge amounts. So I just got my six-month um, numbers, and we recycled in our schools over the last six months 182 tons of paper, and oh, that is just yeah. huge amounts of paper. And we're getting it from our schools and from our community members. 
So that's a nice little effort there because it's not just coming out of the school. The, the mothers and the fathers and the grandmothers and grandfathers are bringing their paper to the school as well instead of putting it uh, into the landfill. Uh, they're doing recycling of plastic. They're doing aluminum. They're doing integration of composting into the curriculum. Um, they're doing gardening. They're putting in outdoor learning centers. So when these schools are saying they're doing environmental education, they're really truly taking it to the nth degree. And I'm just so proud of them because they have grown, as you've said about uh, Go Green, they've grown it organically. They started where they could show sustainability, and they've just sort of gone from there. And as they saw success, the kids had success. The kids want more. And the kids will want, the kids will build the program for you if you'll show them (laughs) success early. And all three of these schools have done just that. Well, and, and I know I kind of take a look at Grand Prairie because you guys have been, when you were our Go Green City of the Year um, back in 2006, um, you know, I, I, I watch because your schools report to the Go Green Initiative their waste diversion number. So I, I keep an eye on you guys. And your schools are, are very exact. I mean, I'll get like, you know, how many pounds of paper did you recycle? You know, and it's 13,516. And it's the kids that are actually doing the weighing and the calculating. And the schools have, have given the kids real leadership roles. And these are from elementary schools. That the kids are calculating pound for pound, not just that they are recycling, but how much. And that becomes a math problem in and of itself. Oh, definitely. Now, in our schools, we do, uh, we're very, very lucky. And we'll go back to another thing that's very, very important for this program to work or for any environmental education program to work. You have to have partnerships. Tell us about your partnership. City of Grand Prairie, huge partner. Keep Grand Prairie beautiful. Tammy Chan and her leadership, huge partnership. Could not have done it. In fact, some of our earlier grants to get recycling bins into the classrooms to get all the materials you would need were actually supplied to us through a grant that the city, through Keep Grand Prix Beautiful, wrote for us. And mm-hmm. so we wrote it together. So there's that, where that partnership came in. Our kids are massing their paper on their campuses more as a mathematical relationship. And I'll tell you what, competition doesn't hurt either, Jill. <laughs> We've got groups of kids. I love it. Second grade is recycling more than the third grade. We can't have that. How can we do this? But our other partner, and this is another reason why I think Grand Prairie's been able to move forward and more ahead than some other communities, it's because we have a partner in Abitibi Bowwater. Abitibi Bowwater is our recycling partner for our school district. And they provide outdoor bins. I know that everybody in Go Green does it a little differently. We actually have an outdoor storage bin, four-yard storage bin for our paper. And they come by, and after every two weeks or every three weeks, depending on what uh, schedule you're on, they come by and pick that paper up. So the kids are collecting it from the classroom with rolling bins. They're massing it when they're competitions, doing their math skills. And then our custodians are taking it out at night and putting it in that storage bin outside. So we're not having to keep the paper on the campus, and that really does help the program because sometimes if paper stays in the classroom too long, it becomes a nuisance in various ways. And this way we're able to take it right outside. Well, and you guys have set up such a great program, and I'm anxious to hear more about it after we take this break. But, folks, you just don't want to miss the chance to hear about what's going on in Grand Prairie, Texas. Such a great program. We'll be back in just a moment with more Go Green Radio. 
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information, about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell. This is from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote, and then I stopped volunteering, and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Do you know what the most complex piece of your business capital investment is? Is it the technology? Is it the infrastructure? Could it be the office and corporate structure? The most complex piece of your business capital investment is the human being. Return on Human Capital is a unique program that discusses some of the most important issues facing leaders in business. Join your hosts, Howard Pines and Jay Santamaria, for Return on Human Capital, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to more Go Green Radio. We are joined today by, I hate to say this because I love a lot of environmental educators out there, but Tracy has a special place in my heart. Tracy Hollis from Grand Prairie, Texas is somebody I really look up to as an environmental educator. She is such a professional and is really doing a great job of explaining the success and and what goes behind the scenes in the success of the environmental education program in Grand Prairie, Texas. Tracy, thanks for joining us today on Go Green Radio. Thank you, Jill. I, I appreciate you having me. Well, um, Tracy, we got an email at gogreenradio at gmail.com during the break from Shirley in Massachusetts, and she's unfamiliar with some of the organizations that you talked about, Keep America Beautiful, Keep Texas Beautiful, um, and she wanted to know a little bit more about what those groups do. So if you could cover that for Shirley in Massachusetts, that would be awesome. Well, I'd love to, Shirley. Um, Keep Texas Beautiful is an affiliate of Keep America Beautiful, and their basic message is uh, bringing communities together and protecting and conserving their own communities and their in-state in protecting the state that they're representing. So 
Uh, Keep Texas Beautiful works with a lot of um, businesses as well as um, nonprofit entities and with the public education uh, side of it. And uh, they've done a wonderful job in producing some great curriculums. Uh, one is called Waste in Place, and you can find that on the kab.org. You'll find that curriculum, and that is a wonderful curriculum. Uh, I know you said there's certain certain ones that were out there. That really is one that does a great job uh, with um, uh, moms and dads trying to teach their kids at home as well as in public education. But they have a great uh, line of support and curriculum and trainings. Uh, to do just what you need to do in the classroom. They're just one of many, but been very, very supportive of what we've been doing here in Grand Prairie through Keep Grand Prairie Beautiful and with the Go Green Initiative. So that's www.kab.org or com. It's dot .org. Dot .org. And so they've so got for that, that is a great curriculum. I can attest to that. I, I really do like that waste in place. Um, and I would recommend that to teachers and parents. Now, Tracy, you were also the, the recent past president of the Texas Association of Environmental Educators, and I know that that's the Texas affiliate of a national organization that's very similar. While we're talking about different groups that you're a part of, let's talk about those groups. What do they do? Well, NAAA uh, is the parent, and that is a national network of people from all over the world, literally all over the world, who uh, believe in uh, protecting the environment, and they all have their different niches of of what they want to study or what they want to teach or what they want to to look into. But they all come together under the auspices of NAAAE. And very important to understand that this network of people believe in teaching people on how to think about the environment, making your own choices, and not what to think. And that's a big difference in uh, environmental education and some other topics that you might go into. TAEE, which I'm very, very proud of, I've been a member of for 15 years and um, was very, very lucky to be the president of that group for the last eight, um, is the affiliate of NAAAE, and it's much the same. It's just a state organization. Uh, We're about 400 members strong here in Texas, and uh, we consist of K-12 teachers, uh, we consist of at-home uh, at uh, educators, uh, university personnel, all the way up, K-16, non-formal, informal museums, everybody who could have anything to do with about the natural world and its preservation and conservation all come together, and we have conferences and talk about how we can teach it better. That's fantastic. I just love that. And and there are other affiliates, because we have Go Green Radio listeners in lots and lots of states. Um, how can they find out if there's a state affiliate of NAAAE that they can join? Where do they go? Once again, uh, the parent a group at N-A-E, excuse me, NAAEE.org, NAAEE.org. If you'll go to that particular uh, website, you'll actually find a, uh, a button you can click that says Affiliates, and you'll be able to find if there's one in your state, and you can go directly to them. For Texas, we have got a brand-new website we just got through uh, developing, and that is a simple taee.org. And we're extremely proud of the fact that we just designed an online searchable database that we are now starting to put data into. And let me sort of explain how that works. If I want to know more about butterflies and I want to teach it to my children, I can just put in the word butterfly. 
and if there's anything going across, on across the state, educational word, a workshop, field trips about butterflies, it's going to come up in your search. That's awesome. That makes it so easy. That is really a great accomplishment because I know what goes on behind the scenes to build a database like that. That's not easy. So congratulations on that. Now, Tracy, you've been an environmental educator for a while. How have things changed in environmental education since you started? Well, I think I sort of talked about it just a little bit earlier. Um, environmental education um, early on, say in the 80s, in my case when I reflect upon it, uh, actually to say the word environmental education or environmental science, that it was sort of taboo. Environmental education was seen as a, a non-science, uh, a non-entity, and it, it actually was hard to use the word sometimes because people looked at you differently. Uh, sort of like Kermit the Frog says, it, was, it wasn't easy being green. <laughs> but now that more people have realized the importance of what we're doing to the earth and how we're treating it, it's become easier because now we have more partners. Now we have more places to recycle. Now we have more uh, abilities to integrate it into our programs, into our education. So it has become much easier to be an environmental educator and I, I can only hope that it even gets better from here. What would you like to see in the coming years? I mean, in, in, in a perfect world, how would it evolve over the next five to ten years, let's say? I think that if people understand that we are all environmental educators, mm-hmm. first off, we're all educators to begin with, and we're all environmental educators. Some of us aren't teaching the right lessons. <laughs> we're all environmental educators. So when people see what we do, then they're going to mimic that, especially with children. They're going to emulate that. So if if environmental education could come out of that outer world, the outer periphery yeah. that people thought it used to, to belong in, and understand it truly is just an, uh, an understanding of how we're all really connected mm-hmm. and that it's not something extra and that it's just sort of, you know, that environmental education is sort of coming home, you know, where it always belonged because it really is a great umbrella to, to tie everything to, and in my case, educationally, a wonderful place to tie it into. So hoping that uh, environmental education isn't seen as something out on the outer edges and that it really is something we all should be a part of. In the few moments that we have left, just about 30 seconds, give our listeners a couple of tips, things they could do in their lives right now today to go a little greener. What could they do? Give us a couple tips. Um, the first thing I would say, and I know you've heard this before, and, and maybe it sounds trite to some people, but just do something mm-hmm. that really, truly, the smallest of efforts, whatever you do on a daily basis, will count. You know, you're talking about reducing your footprint on the earth. Uh, even just find something. Say once once a month you add something to what I call your eco-regimen, you know, something as simple as go- remember to turn off your light in your bathroom when you leave it. I mean, it sounds... It makes a big difference. Even yeah, the little it things makes a huge make difference. a big and- difference. And you're making a big difference, Tracy Hollis. I am so thrilled that you could join us for Go Green Radio today. I hope you'll come back again. And, folks, I'll be back again this time next Friday with more Go Green Radio, more tips to go green. So I will see you next Friday for more Go Green Radio.
Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.